Cruz, and welcome to another edition of the Life Mastery Podcast Show. I'm your host, Ronnie Landis, and as always, we have another incredible podcast conversation for you today. Today's episode is with a colleague and also a mentor. His name is Dr. Udo Erasmus. Now, if you don't know who Dr. Udo Erasmus is, I want to help educate you a little bit. So Dr. Erasmus is, how would I explain him? He's one of the pioneers of the holistic health movement, but he's also one of the main pioneers of the healthy fats movement in the nutrition world. He wrote the book, Fats That Heal, Fats That Kill. And that is the foundational and seminal work on healthy fats. And it's just absolutely groundbreaking. I actually read that book, I want to say 12 or 13 years ago, when I was really getting deep into my nutrition studies and becoming a professional nutritionist and a holistic health practitioner, becoming a speaker in health and nutrition. That was one of the foundational educational books on understanding the vast topic of fats. Um, and, and that's a pretty wild thing because, you know, you think of macronutrients and nutrition, fats, carbs, protein. And if you're new to this kind of thing, you don't really think that there's such complexities to it. But in the world of fats itself, there is a lot of complexity. There is a lot of nuances. And it's an interesting rabbit hole to go deeper into if you want to go deeper into it. However, this podcast, we don't actually talk about nutrition at all, interestingly enough. Now, me and Dr. Erasmus actually did a podcast about, I want to say like five years ago or so, four or five years ago, and we did go really deep into the topic of fats and nutrition and holistic health and all those kind of things. So if you're interested in that, go back to the podcast that we did many years ago. It's a great episode. However, in this podcast, we went a completely different direction. We went deep into spirituality. We talked a lot about God. We talked a lot about how to develop spiritual maturity. And especially in this day and age that we live in where there are so many distractions and so many shiny objects and so much overstimulation and ultimately just so many distractions vying for our precious currency of attention. And Dr. Erasmus's perspective is really unique because he truly is an elder in the field of not just holistic health, but also spiritual and personal development. He is um, somebody that has incredible lived experience and practical experience when it comes to just living a healthy life mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and also physically. This was truly a profound episode. I remember when we were having this conversation, I was going through some things in my life, and I just remember the sense of peace and calm and equanimity and clarity that I felt within myself just receiving the incredible wisdom of uh, Dr. Erasmus, but as I re-listened to this conversation, I realized that, wow, this was actually an incredible conversation between both of us. 
We both had a lot to share and we bounced back ideas and concepts and personal experiences. And we also do talk quite a bit about health in this episode as well. It just is interwoven in the spiritual development kind of framework that we got into. So I think you're really going to get a lot out of this episode. I know that I did. I'm probably going to listen to this multiple times on long walks here um, on the beach in Kauai, where I'm now living once again. And it's just one of those episodes that brings a sense of peace and clarity and stillness into your heart as you listen to it. In fact, that was kind of the, the underlining theme of this episode is about stillness and how to develop a meditative approach to life and also how to become vitally healthy through the most simple, practical, and easily accessible aspects of life, which actually don't require any money, don't require any supplements, don't require any biohacking technology or external modalities. It's really just about accessing the inner physician and the inner genius that exists within each one of us if we give it the space to breathe. And breath is also another part of this conversation that we talked about as well. So anyways, without further ado, I know you're going to enjoy this conversation between me and my colleague, Dr. Udo Erasmus, and I look forward to hearing your feedback on how this episode positively impacted you. Enjoy. Dr. Udo Erasmus, welcome to the show. Glad to be on. I saw you breathing. That's a good sign. That is the that is the modus operandi of my my moment by moment experience as a human being these days. Always in deep breath, deep contemplation, regulating the nervous system at every turn. Um, that is that is the practice. Yeah. In fact, what you're doing is you're getting in touch with that which regulates the nervous system uh, by its nature. Touche. Touche. Yeah. Because well, because that's who you really are. You know, if you think about it, you know, if I say to you, hey, Ron, whose body is that? You, you, you most likely, most people would say, well, that's my body. That's my body. But you know what you just said? You just told me you're not the body. Mm-hmm. This is my body. This is your possession. Right. You are the owner of the body. Right. So then the next question is, well, so who are you as the owner of the body? I am that I am, as the scripture says. Right. Okay. So you could say life is the owner of the body. Mm-hmm. So you actually are life. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm a biology major. Mm-hmm. I mean, a double major. I was like, I was really into it. And I got into biology because biology means bio is life and ology is study. So the study of life. Well, mm-hmm. you can't be a human being on a planet that is covered with life and not be interested to know more about life. And then if you go to school, then why why would you want to study something more than you want to study life? Mm-hmm. Get to know it more and more and more. It's like for appreciation. It wasn't like I wanted to manipulate it, but I wanted to appreciate it more. Right. So I went into biology. And you know, did you know what? In biology, we never learned about life. Of course. I was well, that's exactly what I was just thinking. The, the- yeah, yeah. I I thought of it, I thought at some point in my studies, we would end up with a beaker that would be half filled with something liquid and shining called life. 
We never got the beaker. What we studied the whole time in all of those years, form and function. Mm -hmm. We even studied the form of the molecules that carry energy, ATP, adenosine triphosphate. We studied the molecule. We never studied the energy. We never got a handle on the energy that is life. I mean, I, I imagine back in those days of academia and the, the ivory towers of that whole world, the idea of energy is like was woo-woo. The way that we think of woo-woo now, it's like woo-woo there, right? There, there's no such thing as energy. Well, or there is energy, but it's very reductionistic. It's not the perspective that you're coming from, I think. Well, they never, they never woo-wooed it. They just never pointed out that in biology we're not studying life. Uh-huh. They just never said that. I thought I and I came in naive, right? You don't know, you don't know until you know. Right. The physicists were talking about quantums. I was like my my university was in the sixties. The physicists were talking about quantum and you know and they they but they didn't get it right either mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because they got they got too theoretical. Right. Like so theoretical physics. So, yeah, so eventually I left university because what I was looking for, because I also went into psychology, psychology to study soul, because psych is soul. Right, right. Study of soul. Well, in psychology, we never studied soul. We studied thought and emotions. Mm-hmm. Now, it's not like you shouldn't learn about those things. But we, they called it something that we didn't get. And again, I came in naive. I thought I'm going to study soul because, again, soul is like, that sounds like something that would be really interesting. Mm-hmm. Then I went into medicine because they called it healthcare, And I thought that in medicine, I was going to learn about health. So first year, I realized we're only learning about disease here. So I went and talked to the dean. And I said, listen, I came here because I want to know what health is. And then I thought, you know, maybe in the first few years, we'll learn about disease. And then in the third and fourth year, we learn about health. Because I didn't know. I don't know the curriculum, right? Mm-hmm. So I asked him. I came here because I want to study health. What is health? He said, we don't know. We're working on it. <laughs> that was the most disappointing answer I ever got from, a, from a, a professional. I don't know. We're working on it. And they're not working on it because they study disease. Right. So after one year of medicine, I went back into biological sciences, ended up in biochemistry, the chemistry of life. Again, you don't study life. You just study the chemistry, the molecules, and genetics. And in genetics, it's the control room where the genes are, what mm-hmm. turns on and off, determines how the cells function. Of course, it's triggered from outside. That's why we talk about epigenetics. Yep. And, I, and I was looking for something. I didn't find it. So I left university. And then I eventually, um, I was out by 1970, I was 28. So I had been out for about two years and I'd messed with some psychedelics and I traveled some and, you know, just did like the thing that the hippies did in those days, started a nude beach, you know, (laughs) all kinds of stuff. So, so I was trying, but I was, I was looking for something. And I I was looking for something because my heart always ached. From the time I was 17, I remember first feeling it and not being able to shake it. Mm. Always Mm. this pain here, always this uncomfortable feeling, loneliness, longing, Mm. um, sadness, striving, uh, 
restlessness, emptiness, mm. lots of words for it. Because yeah. we call this feeling, the same feeling, we call it by whatever triggers it. Uh, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But the trigger is not the cause of the feeling. The cause of the feeling oh, is, is my disconnection from myself, right. which began at birth when I came out of heaven, out of the Buddha tank, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. had to get to know the world, and my focus went out through my senses into the world. And mm -hmm. in that going out, I got disconnected from myself. And that's where heartache began. But, but hardly anybody knows that. So I, I, and this was a... Sorry. No, I'm sorry. I, I didn't want to interrupt you. I just, the, what you're saying is so profound. And I just wanted to highlight it for all of us as infinite souls in, in finite human bodies, because it could be very easy for someone listening to be entertained, but not to catch the profundity and the universal meaning of what you just said. Because as I'm listening to you, I'm also relating to you like in the last couple of years in particular, but this is, I've been a seeker all my life. I can relate to having that, but in the last four or five years in particular, I've also had that angst that, um, and that's manifested in different, you know, psychological conditions we might, we might call and, and, you yeah. know, bursting into deeper kind of metaphysical, psychological healing, if you will, yeah. medicine yeah. ceremonies and, and trying to, and trying to, what I really realized is healing my attachment, my parental attachment injuries that started from birth in my formative years. And then that, that tr trickled into relationship dynamics and, and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So I just wanted to, I wanted to highlight what you just said, that mm. a lot of the heart issues that we have are not just about something that happened to us in our adult years, but they right. back into an umbilical, an energetic umbilical cord that was disconnected at birth. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, and and uh, this disconnection mm -hmm. from ourselves. So, if I go back, if you were when you were in your mother's womb, nowhere to go, nothing to do, yeah. everything taken care of, pretty safe. Right? So where was your focus at that time? Well, there was no place to go. So your focus was inside, in its source, in mm -hmm. life, mm -hmm. in awareness. And that's where the Buddha experience lives. That's why I call the womb the Buddha tank. And you were literally in nine months of deep meditation mm -hmm. because there was nothing else to go to. So mm -hmm. you were whole and you were fulfilled and you were content and you were unconditionally loved and there was peace there. So all the good stuff that we that we're trying to figure out how to get in the world, we already all got inside. And then after you're born, externalizing your focus is a normal, natural, necessary process that we go through because we have to get to know the world because now outside the womb, we have to make sure that we learn what we need to learn in order to be able to survive. Right. Of course, that's the physical thing, because in, in the end, the physical thing doesn't survive. Right. And so making that your only focus, survival, making focus, making survival your only focus, misses the point because you're supposed to thrive, and you can only thrive when you go back inside, which you now have to do deliberately. Going away is automatic. But going back has to be deliberate mm. and you need to go go back and reconnect. And you do that by sitting in your heartache. 
mm-hmm. sitting in that uncomfortable yeah. feeling in your chest because that takes you out of your head puts you pretty close to your breath grounds you makes you simple and less than a hair's breath behind it is your wholeness that's what you're looking for mm-hmm. and the heartache is just your call to come home so, so even though others even those different things trigger it yeah. they trigger it because we try to get our wholeness from things that change well, if it's changed, you're not going to get wholeness from it. You're going to get pleasure and pain from it, but you're not right. going to get wholeness. Right. So every time something on the outside that we've tried to use as our substitute for feeling whole, every time that ends, we're thrown back to the, our disconnection from ourselves. Mm. And it's the call to come home. And it will be there until you actually address it. And it's like hunger for food, like thirst for water, like tired for sleep heartache is for wholeness is for fulfillment is for coming home to the magnificence and the awesomeness of our own being that we lost in our doing yeah the the wound of separation right right and you can't blame anybody for it you know all the traumas and all of that we blame it on things no 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 this happened as a natural process for every human being and going out is automatic but coming back has to be deliberate thank god there's something calling because if you didn't have the heartache that's the greatest gift you have Mm. ever been given other than being alive because if it wasn't for your heart calling you home and bugging you until you address it yeah you would get lost in the world and you would never find your way home yeah, you get lost. And the whole time that you're lost in the world, what you're looking for is inside of you saying, hey, 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 I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. It's calling you home. And the heartache is the is is just saying, you need to come home. Mm-hmm. It's, it's so beautifully put. And it's so cool that we, we jumped right into that right out the gate. That's clearly very alive right. in the, the field. So, and um, and there, there's so much there's so much to to piggyback and extrapolate on that. You know, yeah. I wrote a book on addiction a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. and there's this principle about chasing pleasure in order to in order seeking chasing pleasure to avoid pain, chasing comfort to avoid discomfort. And it seems like to me that the biggest riddle that we all get to solve in our own human experience is the ability to hold ourself to hold our emotions to feel our feelings through and learn how to regulate our internal ecosystem so that we're not finding ourselves chasing coping mechanisms and medication strategies outside of ourselves when what i'm hearing from you is that the pain that you feel within you is not something to be avoided. It's not even a negative thing. It's a, it's a, it's a signpost leading you back to your divinity, leading you back to your wholeness. But we get confused, right? We we're in a world of hyper distraction, technological. Well, well, we don't get told, we don't get told that's what it is. But if you, if you talk about addiction, you know, I know what addiction is like. What, what is it? We are, we are made to prefer joy to mm-hmm. sadness, mm-hmm. pleasure to pain. If the best thing you found in your life in terms of feeling good 
is to be stoned on something, right? Then you're going to go after it. And the and the good thing is, there's one thing that is better even than the best stone, and that is to be present in your peace, in your unconditioned love, in your inspired purpose, in your all-encompassing peace. That is the core of your own existence. Mm. Until you find your way back to that, drugs mm. may, may always be the best experience you can get, even though you wreck your body and even though you wreck your family and even though a lot of things get wrecked in that addiction. In terms of your experience of, of yourself, it's the best thing you've got. Mm. So then the question is, you want to fix addiction? You mm. need to find those people something better. Yes. Than the experience of the high, yes. and and lucky for and lucky for us, how life made it, is that the best thing, better than any addiction, better than any drug, better than any high, is the experience of being fully present in the space that your body occupies, and experiencing the the energy in that space. And that's you. And that's what we call the energy in the space that your body occupies is called life energy. So let me take that one a little. Yes. Out. Okay. So I want to tell you a story first, how I got to understand this. When I was 26 or 27, it occurred to me one day that my grandfather hadn't been dead for 50 years and nobody remembered him. I don't know why it's, it just it just occurred to me. I was just sitting around and, but they're still talking about this guy two thousand years later, right? And a Christian culture guess who that was, right? So they're talking about Christ two thousand years later, mm-hmm. and nobody remembers my grandfather. Mm. And there must have been some difference between what they were, what they embodied to make that difference. It couldn't just be that the church used it as a marketing tactic. There had to be more to it than that. Yes. Because that's also true. And the master's message got turned on its head. You know, all of that's true, but there must've been something there. So what I did, I said, you know, I want to find out what that was. In fact, what I came to was, I want to have the experience that Jesus had Mm. that made him able to live like he did, say what he did, think what he did, do what he did. I want to have that experience. I don't want to get hung on a cross, and I don't want to have a following, and I don't want a religion named after me, but I want to have that experience because nobody ever said that wasn't possible. And so I got the red letter addiction, ad- addiction <laughs> edition of the Bible, You know, where everything Jesus says is in red ink and everything else is in black ink. Mm -hmm. And I started reading it and following it and putting it to the test, what he said, and thinking about what does it mean. So one of the things he said, what you have done to one of these, the least of these, that you have done to me. Mm. It's like, well, that's a strange thing to say. Well, if, if what I do to somebody else, I do to him. That means that he must be in that person. That means he must be in everybody. Mm, mm. Right? So that was just one of the things. And, and it, it was like, how else can that make sense? Yeah. Right? 
Or he says, kingdom of heaven is within you. And then he says, seek first the kingdom and everything else will be added unto you. That's a powerful statement, right? Of course, what we do is we put it last, mm-hmm. you know, we go there when we run out of distractions. You put and, it and out I, there, right? It's out there, over there, somewhere beyond this time and space. Yeah, but but if he said the kingdom of heaven is within you, it's that's, that's a very clear statement. Right, right. So what, well, so what we're doing is we're not listening. That's, and we're not following that statement. For sure. Right? It's that clear. Mm. And then, you know, then and then people would say, well, God is everywhere. And I said, well, then God must be in me too. No, but God is not in you. What? <laughs> so, so I was looking at all of that. And then yeah. this group of Christians came up the coast, the West Coast, to where I live. And they called themselves the Jesus People's Army. That should have been a warning to me because I was born during the Second World War. So army yeah. was not a good word for me. Right. But I missed the cue because I thought, it was like totally my assumption. I thought, well, these guys must be looking for what I'm looking for. Mm being on a journey to search and when you search you discover things you have adventures you find things out you learn something and we're all going to get together and we're all going to share our stories and i had stories to share and then we're all going to leave enriched Hmm. Mm -hmm. right i mean this is would be i mean ideal picture right so they had a coffee house and i decided to go to the coffee house and I walked to the coffee house. He's in a basement. I sat down at a table. And this guy immediately swept it into the other chair at the table. There were no single chair tables. So that was a setup, but I didn't realize it. So he sat down and I didn't introduce myself. I just looked him in the eyes and I said, it must be possible to see God and live. Because Jacob did and Jesus did and Moses did and uh, Elisha, Elijah, you know, so there was a bunch of people that saw God and lived. But we were told as kids, if you see God, you die. Right. And I'm going, well, wait a minute. This, this guy is supposed to be my father. He loves me unconditionally. And if I look at him, he kills me. What the hell is that? <laughs> right. Yeah. Anyway, so that's what I said. I didn't introduce myself. I just looked him in the eye and said, it must be possible to see God and live. And he went ballistic. He jumped out of the chair and his arms were wildly flailing in the sky and screamed at me. You're from the devil. You're from the Antichrist. Get out. That's like projection to me. So so I go slinking out of there and I'm standing on the sidewalk. I said, well, let's see. I haven't seen God. So maybe I'm asking a question I'm not supposed to ask. Mm -hmm. This is like social pressure, right? People shame you into stuff. So I'm going through this and I got really confused. And one of the nice things about confusion is that when you get really confused and you're aware that you're really confused, you become super sincere. So true. So So I was so confused and so it was like, I really want to know. I really want to see. I really want to know. And it was that still that question, what was it, you know, what did Jesus experience that made him different from my grandfather, who, who nobody remembers? Mm-hmm. Right? So in those days, when, when the city got too much for me or my mind drove me nuts, 
I would go out into nature. So I spent the weekend on the beach, on a, on a beach on the west coast of Vancouver Island. There were all the logs on the beach and nobody there. There was nobody there. So I had a whole weekend completely to myself on this beach. And somebody had draped plastic over some logs and made this little dwelling. Mm -hmm. I said, well, here, this is where I'm, this is, this is my, my home for the weekend. And I went in and lay down and I went to sleep. And in the middle of the, of the night, I woke bolt upright from dead asleep. And there was this being made of light. No, no labels, no words, just a being made of light. And that being embodied a message. And I could put words to the, to the message that that being embodied. The message, the way I got it was, now he didn't say it or that, oh, by the way, I couldn't tell if it was male or female and I couldn't tell if it was old or young, but I knew it wasn't an angel because it had no wings. Hmm. <laughs> and I'm just saying, I'm just like a little kid observing something, right? The message that I could put in words that it embodied was, I am come not to judge, but to love. I am come not to judge, but to love. Nine words, only one of them is longer than a four-letter word. And I don't know if anybody can come up with a more succinct central message of the masters, mm. whether it's Buddha or Christ or Krishna or Ram or Lao Tzu. I am come not to judge, but to love. That is the message of the masters to humanity. Mm. But what's also interesting, and I didn't realize that until later, but that's also the message of life to your body. Mm. So when I when this happened, all of my all my confusion and desperation instantly evaporated. I have never had a question about the master's central message. I know what the message is, you know, and I would like to embody that message because I wanted to have the experience that. So, so guess how you do that? You set the standard. I am, I am come not to judge, but to love. And then you love people and you don't judge them. That's a tall order. It's a tall order, but it's a, but it's a, but it's possible. And so yeah. I've been working on that ever since. What I then realized, my question was, okay, who was that? Was that Christ? Was that spirit? Was that life? Mm. And it turns out they're all the same. Right, right. Life is Christ. Yeah. The energy that is life is Christ in every human being or yeah. Buddha in every human being. The master in your body, the energy that keeps you alive, weighs nothing and runs everything. It is omnipresent in your body. It is omnipotent in your body and it's omniscient in your body. Yeah. So that means all powerful, all knowing and everywhere present in your body. There's your God. Life is your God. Oh, wow. Now, yeah. let's derive it a little further. What is life? The physicists, I've read some of the stuff that the quantum physicists talked about. They completely didn't get it because they were two in their head. Yeah. yeah. They got two in their head and then they, they yeah, it was like, it was, and, and it made no sense. I think, uh, was it Schrodinger? Was it Schrodinger? One of those guys. Yeah, it becomes very mathematical and mechanical. Yeah. So here, here's how it goes. Solar energy, you know, 
the sun radiates energy in all directions. Some of that hits the earth. So you've got solar energy filtered through 93 million miles of space. Then it's filtered through the earth's atmosphere. Then it's filtered through plants, plant leaves, green leaves mostly, but needles too. And then a fraction of that solar energy it excites electrons, activates electrons. They mm. then bond to, to form bonds between atoms to make molecules. And that solar energy fraction is stored in that bond. You eat it as food mm -hmm. in your cells, that molecule is broken down and that solar energy fraction is released. Now you call that fraction life. Yeah. Yeah. So, so solar energy is life energy. We are solar energy gadgets. Yeah. yeah. So is every plant, every animal, every microbe, and every other person on the planet. We are all solar gadgets. Okay. Can I add to that? Real quick? Yeah. No. Let me let me just finish it and then and then, yeah. Yeah. Now. So. That energy loves your body unconditionally, hmm. runs everything. So it's empowering, it's your power. So it's empowering unconditional love because it runs your show 24 seven, 365 lifelong, never takes a day off, never goes on strike, never asks for better wages, asks nothing for itself, just gives, 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 shines within you because hmm. that is its nature. Okay. Mm -hmm. And what the masters all said, they all took time to sit down, shut up, get really quiet, get present in their being and feel and see and hear what that feels like, looks like, sounds like, even tastes like. Mm. In the space your body occupies. So you'd sit still, see how still you can become, and then see how deeply you can go into that stillness. And how long can you stay there? And how lightly and slowly can you breathe in, out, in, around, out, around, in, around out around slowly slowly and be relaxed and awake and aware in that stillness and what do you discover when you do that all the masters had a stillness practice mm -hmm. that they practiced they took it seriously they did it regularly you hear all the time you hear about Jesus went into the mountains or went to a place apart or he spent 40 days in the desert. You know, what do you do when you spend 40 days in the desert? Not a lot. <laughs> At some point, because there's nothing to do, you just get quiet, right? right. <laughs> and, they all, and they all said kingdom of heaven is within. Bring your focus inward. Discover the kingdom of heaven. Find your wholeness. Find that unconditional love find the peace the the all-encompassing peace that is behind that that is basically the source of that unconditional love and when you feel in peace and unconditionally loved 
your life becomes simple because there's only other one only one other purpose left which is to help because when i'm taken care of you know it's not about me anymore mm. I, I need everything's here okay where can i help what needs to be done how can i make the biggest splash for good that's possible in the time i have mm. right so the so when you bring your focus to that life energy that you are because you already said this is my body and i am i am life right that life energy is what is called christ is mm. what is called buddha that energy is what they embodied and what they talked from and what they talked about and they all said to us you can do what i can do if you take sitting still seriously and you do what i do in order to get there right whether you call that enlightenment or you call that uh, uh bliss or you call that uh body or nirvana or whatever you, you want know, whatever you call that yeah. Right. Is and basically you're going back to the experience that you were in when you were in your mother's body. Mm. So sitting still and getting a safe space to do that in, so where you won't be distracted, and shutting off all the distractions that keep you keep your focus going out. You sit and you take time just to be. You know, we're supposed to be human beings, become human doings, but being is actually more important than doing. Because you can be without doing, but you cannot do without oh, being. Right. So being is the foundation. Right. So how do you feed your foundation? And you do it through stillness practice. All you have to do is get present. You're not creating anything. You're not adding anything. You're not imagining anything. You're just checking out what is there, what is, what you are, by bringing your focus inward right so you have solar energy is life energy is christ energy and we literally live filled with that energy and surrounded by that energy mm. and when people say you know like there's one uh, uh somebody one of the prophets uh walked with god and was not that's an experience he's talking about that's not just a cute way of stringing words together. What is that experience? There's not a person on this planet that can't have that experience. And there is not a person on this planet that wouldn't benefit mm -hmm. from having that experience. That time, you know, if you want to fix the planet, do less. Be more, do less. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right? Maybe you got to plant some trees. Maybe you need to, you know, make water do better modern management, but that's about it. Do less. You know, when we got our lockdowns, COVID showed us when we got our lockdowns, everybody got locked down. Within a month, the air of China cleared up. No, no. The dolphins went back into the canals in Venice. The water in, in, the, in, in the bay that I live next to became clean. The flowers became brighter, <laughs> you know? And it's because everybody got locked down and we were doing a lot less. So when somebody tells you, oh, let's do this and this and this and this and this to, to, to uh, fix the environment, don't buy it. We yeah. need to do less. Yeah. We need and to be more and we need to do less. Right. We, we need to get our, we need, a, need to get our wholeness from where our wholeness lives within us. Yeah. Not from some there outside that we manipulate. Yeah.
Okay, I'm done. Now I've I've uh, mon monopolized the time here. No, it's I mean it's great. And I think it sets an interesting foundation and segue for some some continued territory on this this whole kind of principle. And as you were talking about the the Christed light, essentially, um, what I, I call it the Christed vibral light or the vibral flame, if you want that eternal flame that burns inside all all of us. And it's a really interesting constellation of ideas when I think of photons from the sun and how that essentially becomes biophotons in our cells. And Fritz Albert Pop um, was the, the the physicist who basically told us or showed us that our cell our cells are running on biophotons. That's that to me is what energy actually is. Yeah. And Rudolf Steiner the great mystic and, and visionary, he said that the human being is an inverted plant and like a, like a, a leaf on a tree is essentially a solar panel. So when yep. I think of it, I think of that framework, I look at our, our, the periphery of our skin has more vitamin D receptors than any other molecule. And so there's so many interesting correlations or constellations that you could look at physiologically, philosophically, and um, biospherically, if you will, to validate the very simple point you're making. But the more you look at all these different compartmentalized areas of science, you can't get away from the fundamental truth of what you're saying, this omnipotent, om this, this, this energy of life that is inside of us and beyond us and running us and running all life. Um, it's real. It's just kind of that. Those are kind of some of the fascinating ideas that were coming up for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, it's, it's true. The bio photons are photons. They went through the plants. They got into the person. They got taken apart. That energy was released and you can measure it radiating out of your body. Right. Right, because they've done those biophoton, uh, you know, and then they look at uh, energy fields. You can measure those too, and then depending on what state of what state you're in, will determine how how good that that radiation field is. Mm. Right, and if you're if you're sick, which and sickness always comes from living out of line with nature on some level, either the level of awareness or the level of life energy or the, the level of inspiration or the level of the body or the level of survival smarts or the social level or the environmental level or the big picture level. If all of those, are, if you live aligned with all of those according to their nature, then your, your radiation field is going to be pretty clean and you're going to be pretty healthy because life energy is perfect health. Yeah. It never gets sick and never dies. What gets in the way is ideas we have, wrong I, ideas we have that are out of line with the yeah. system. Yeah. No, I want to, I just want to mention something and, and have you run with it. So I don't know if you, you ever heard of a woman called Valerie Hunt. When I was um, studying like Dr. Brian Clement of the Hippocrates Clinic many, many moons ago, um, he talked about a woman, Valerie Hunt, who started doing research on biofields, our auras, essentially, what you're talking about. And she was able to show in theor her theory, but I, I think this is how it works, is that it's actually your aura or your biofield 
the energy that that's that's emitting from you that actually determines your physical health. So it's not the other way around. We're, we think that our physical body determines our overall state of health. But what she is saying is that it's it's the field. It's the energy field itself. And that energy field has tears and rips in it. And then that that's what affects the physical body. I'm, I'm curious if that lines up with what your, your philosophy. Well, I, I, I'm not sure. But, but I look at it this way. If you are solar energy, then you radiate something. Mm -hmm. The energy in you that is solar energy, that is in every one of your 60 trillion cells radiating those biophotons, right? So you are like a radiant being. Mm -hmm. And I think some people have called it that, a radiant being. Mm -hmm. And when you're in touch with that energy, you, you do become radiant. But what we do, and that energy is 100% is healthy and can never get sick. But then what we do is we don't bring that radiance to expression. Mm. We say, oh, you know, like if I'm, if I'm in peace, mm -hmm. if my state of being is peace, I'm experiencing peace in my being. It fills my being. I can look at the world and say, oh, my God, peace is everywhere. Peace has always been everywhere. Peace will always be everywhere. Mm -hmm. And I will then live peacefully into peace. But if I'm angry, I could be sitting in the same place, but my state is different. Now I'm in an emotional state rather than a state of being. Mm -hmm. I'm angry. I look at that same world and I start to find enemies. Right. You find what, what you're if somebody for. what if somebody's hiding behind the tree and he's got a sword or a or a, a bow and arrow or a gun or a AK fifteen or an atom bomb or whatever it is, right? What That's if coming for you? Yeah. And then and then I live into a world of enemies, which means I'm gonna fortify myself and maybe I'm gonna try and kill them before they kill me even though I just imagined them all into being. <laughs> right, right, right. Okay, and if, I'm, if, I, if my state of emotions is fear, then I look at that same world that I saw as filled with peace, and I see danger. Oh, what if there's, a, what if there's a, an asteroid that's like barreling down at my head at 18,000 miles a second, right? And what if it's going to crash through the roof and flatten me? Right? What if? What if? What if? And you can make up so many things to be afraid of. Yes. And fundamentally, you end up being afraid of your own thoughts or you're using your thoughts to create fear. And what is fear? Fear is absence of love. That's all fear is. Right? If love is a presence. When that presence goes away, fear, fear shows up. Fear is the absence. Just like darkness is absence of light, the same way fear is absence of love. And then we try to get rid of the fear, which is really stupid because you, it's already absent. You can't get, you can't make absence absent. Like an optical. It doesn't, in your it mind. doesn't exist. It doesn't yeah. exist. Yeah. Love yeah. is the presence. You want to, you want to get rid of fear. You got to bring in love, right? Totally. So, hundred percent. So, yeah. so when you when so when we talk about this, is like the state of being that we occupy determines what the world lives looks like for us 
but it also determines what we do and what kind of a world we create. So with anger, you create a world of enemies. With fear, you create a, a world of fear and safety. And then you hide, and then you don't do what needs to be done. And then you try to not take responsibility because you're afraid, right? Mm -hmm. That's the kind of world we built. If you look around the world, pretty much all based is pretty much built out of anger and fear. Even though there have always been people who said, listen, you're missing something. And what's missing in this picture is you, your essence, your power, your love, your courage. Mm. They all live within you. Sit down, find them, and then live those into the world. And mm -hmm. that's how you change the world, by doing the homework on yourself and being an influence in other people's lives in that direction. But you can't make anybody else do it. Right. But you can, you have 100% ability to do, to do it within your own being. So what we tend to do is how we block that energy that is supposed to be in our, in our radiance, mm. how we block it is by thoughts out of line with the nature of nature, with our nature, with the human nature and with nature. And then when we have those thoughts, then we take actions out of line with nature and our nature and then we eat crap yep. and then we and then we uh take poisons and then we spread poisons over our foods and then we make chemicals for better living through chemistry right. like life wasn't good enough already you know and we pay for it we pay then, people to do it yeah and then and then we and then so basically all of this stuff that we're doing that messes up our radiance are done out of the world of thoughts. And here's the thing. Your heart is 100% for you. Your core is 100% for you. That's where the peace, the unconditioned love, and the inspiration live. But your mind is always 50% for you and 50% against you. This is a gift curse. 50% gift and 50% curse. Everybody has it. And that's the nature of the human being. And the only creatures in nature on this planet that have this gift curse to contend with is us. The yeah. trees don't have that problem. The, dog, the dogs go from their heart out into the world and then back to their heart. We go from our heart out into the world and then into our mind. And so there's a gap between our mind and our heart that most people live from their mind and they don't know how to get to their heart. When you get to the heart, the heart is supposed to be able to control the mind. It will if you're there. So that's why living from the heart is the solution to every problem on the planet. You know, it's really, it's really interesting. I was on a podcast recently, you know, we're talking about addiction and, and we're going deep into kind of all the mechanics and, and how this plays out psycho-spiritually, physiologically, the dopamine system of the brain and all this. And I, I I was telling the the host, I was like, you know, what's really interesting when you start to unpack where this all comes from, I start to realize that the seeking for an external coping mechanism oftentimes is a way to medicate the agitation of our thought forms, the OCD thought loops 
that we have that we're contending with. We're actually puffing the cigarette, drinking the alcohol, eating yeah. the food because we because the stories and monologues in our head are actually the thing that we're agitated by. Right. But the monologues in our heads come from the the discomfort of the disconnection from our heart. So it begins as a feeling, mm. then it becomes thoughts, mm. then it becomes emotions, mm. then it becomes words and yeah. actions, and mm. then it becomes consequences. Then it becomes your fate. As, as yeah, problems. consequences as fate, destiny, destinations, goals, goals, outcomes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, this is this. Yeah, is and then what Carl, Carl Jung said, what does he say? He said, until you make the unconscious, which is what you're not conscious of, which is your disconnection from yourself, until you make the unconscious conscious, it will direct your life and you will call it fate. Right. Wow. I get the hair goes up on my on my arms when I say that. It's like he's so nailed it. So nailed it, yeah. But the question becomes how do you become conscious? And literally, you need to make time to sit still, to tap into the unconscious, to the, the ache of the unconscious, and mm -hmm. make, make the ache conscious. And sit with it and appreciate it. Don't judge it. You might make you cry, but it won't kill you. Feel it, accept it, embrace it. Maybe even be grateful for its power to call you home right and then and then you recognize that this ache that calls you home is actually your biggest gift you've been given more important than your mother and your father more important than your money more important than your fame more important than all of the things and all of the goals why because it can bring you back to where everything is perfect in place inside of you always there never goes anywhere always waiting for you to sit with your ache and slip behind it mm. you know anthony robbins says that the main motivation for why we do anything or want anything is because of a feeling that we want why do we want money? Because of how it's going to make us feel. Why do we want a partner? Because of how it's going to make us feel. Why do we want something? Because it's going to make us feel different than the way we feel. Or there's a feeling that we want to feel about ourselves. So we associate the acquisition of the thing out there somewhere mm -hmm. else. Whereas like, you know, we I can feel any way that I want. But I have to be the one to consent to that. I have to be the one to give myself permission to access that part of me. And then and then my motivation becomes pure. Then whatever it is that I'm striving for, it purifies my motivation so that I'm not going after something. And then I get it and I put all my life force energy and all the sacrifice that it takes to achieve anything. Yeah. And I end up like, oh, wait a minute. This this is cool, but again, it's now I'm just, I'm chasing pleasure to avoid pain. Whereas if I just dealt with that in the beginning and learned how to reparent myself, I think that a lot yeah. of, I think that's a term that really comes up with a lot of this is learning how to reparent the inner child. 
um, then I can have anything in the world that I want and it can come and go and it's all good, but I'm not dependent on it to feel a certain way. Mm -hmm. Well, it's true. We want to do it to feel. But the thing is that, and I've talked to billionaires. Mm. Mm. And they, there was one I had a meeting with, my favorite multi-billionaire. He read my book mm. and he said, in the last chapter, you said something. And I was reading between the lines and I, you were saying something but I couldn't, I couldn't quite get what you were saying. And I wanted to talk to you because I want to know what is that thing that you were talking about. So I, so I said to him, well, let, before I tell you, let me tell you how your life goes. So you, you come up with this huge project. They named an airport after this guy. Hmm. That's how big it was. So okay. he created an airport, like a major international airport, right? And so I said, let me tell you how it goes. You come up with a goal, a lofty goal, because your heart aches. And your hope, consciously, subconsciously, or unconsciously, is that when you accomplish, when you succeed in reaching that goal, you'll go, ah, now I'm good. Right, right. And, and but what happens is you reach the goal, you have three days where you go, ah, I did it, I did it, I did it, yay, I did it, I did it. And on the fourth day, you're depressed. Yeah, you're dopamine. And he, says, and he says to me, well, I wouldn't call it depressed, I would call it let down, uh, mm. disappointed, mm. right? Mm -hmm. Well, it's the same word, right? Yeah. And why is that? So then you say, okay, well, maybe I wasn't thinking big enough. Right. Maybe Maybe it wasn't a million dollars. Maybe it was, takes $10 million to be happy. Or maybe I wasn't thinking in the right direction. So you look for another big project. And again, the hope is when I succeed, I'll be happy. And then you succeed, you get three days, and you're depressed again, or you're let down again. He said, you know what? He said, that's exactly how my life has gone. That's how my entire life has gone. I said, the mistake that you're making is that you think that what you're looking for is in an accomplishment out there in your doing. When the truth is that what you're looking for in your doing is actually already within you, but in your being. Mm. And you're missing that mm -hmm. because you're always going out there to try and figure it out because nobody ever told you that this uneasiness that you feel is the natural result, result of you getting kicked out of the womb and having to learn how to navigate the world. Mm. And, he, and he looked at me, he said, I never thought of that. Mm. I never thought of that. And there's like almost 8 billion people living on this planet that have never thought of that because nobody ever told them what you're looking for is within you, although all the masters always said that. And we're in a living in a time now where the mastery that the masters had we need to embody that mastery yeah. because that's what they that was their lesson that was their recommendation mm -hmm. you know so so we need to master what the masters mastered and we need to do it by doing what they did which is they didn't go around looking for how to make a million dollars how to make a billion dollars how to conquer countries how to steal real estate how to 
how to you know how to uh, make things more expensive than they are so that you can have a f fatter cat or be a fatter cat, right? They said, no, take time, sit down, shut up, close all your doors, turn off your gadgets, and just breathe quietly, breathe gently. Feel the space inside of you. Bring your focus home and get good at doing that so you can literally do it anytime you want because every day your senses will take you out and every day you want to come home but coming home has to be deliberate going out is automatic change attracts your attention that's why people like to get your attention they just flip they go, go like this right there's nothing inside that goes like that only the heartache gets you close and from there you have to jump in it's a leap of faith into the divine. Hmm. Well, what was just coming up for me, I was thinking about, you know, when an animal is injured in nature, there's three fundamental things that they do automatically. They get quiet, they isolate, they go and hide and they stop eating. Those are the three universal things. And I think about the domestication of the human being and the reality of what situation we're in and, and, you know, we're essentially like factory farm animals in a, in a, like, it's pretty like <laughs> we're being, farm. we're being factory farmed. Eh? <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's yeah, yeah. That's I've never heard that before. That's funny. And, and I thought about like, you know, the irony and the sad truth of our, our situation right now, where we think we're so advanced and, and have and have more than any other civilization in history. And that may be true in some sense, but it's very untrue in, in a different sense. And we're in a really interesting quandary. And I thought to myself, I was like, you know, in all my years of being a, a health practitioner, nutritionist and doing hundreds of podcasts with some of the greatest minds such as yourself, you know, I, I've learned a few things. And one of the things is that's the exact same formula for how to heal a human being. And in mm -hmm. an age where just turning your phone off and deleting your social media apps and putting your phone away for an hour is like a Herculean heroic feat of stillness. Um, it, it's, it, it's so simple and so easy and so obvious, but it is like, it is it is a it's quite a, a challenge uh for the the overdeveloped intellect that's so hyper stimulated and at the same time so over medicated to sit down for five minutes and just be mm -hmm. yeah so you know i have a little saying for that so the google can get you everything you want except yourself right AI, you know, people worry about AI, right? Yeah. AI can make all kinds of tasks much, much faster. AI cannot give you yourself. Yeah. AI cannot get you yourself. And that's what we're trying to do, right? And, and, and in order to get yourself and in order to get to the great power that everybody wants, we have to go inside. It's already there. We have that power and in that power is all our wisdom and in all that power is is our instructions for how to live well hmm. it's already there it's like it's not like we got to figure it out you know einstein said something that that is also certainly true in my experience he said 
He said, 99 times, I think and think and think, and I get nothing. And then one day, I get quiet, and I swim in silence, and the answer comes to me. Yeah. And I have to tell you, I live my life more from insight. Mm. I've, I've read lots of books, and I've studied lots of courses. I get more wisdom from insight, from being coming quiet, than I get from all my books. I have 10,000 pages of notes that I've taken that come from the insight during my stillness practice. And things are so obvious inside about how to live. Why would you ask anybody except life how you should live? Why would you go to, you know, whoever, whoever it is, you know, Clements or Tony Robbins, or why would you always go out there to some expert? Where's the experts getting it from? Well, if the expert has really got good insight, and some of them do, how did they get the insight? Who did they go to? Some of them say they had teachers. But I think for most of the ones that come up with really, really original stuff and aren't just repeating what, you know, repeating the repeats, exactly. they have to go inside for their discoveries because yeah. it's all there. It's yeah. all there. It's life. Well, how would life not know how to live? It's and living you. It's living your body. Life is it's running everything. It Fine. knows everything. Yeah. How would you? How would you not turn to that? And then not only that is that expert you have with you, day and night. You can always turn inside. You can't always get a hold of the expert because this phone's off the hook, or you know he's off on a fishing trip, or whatever it is, right? But you have access to the expert for your life yes. in your situation in your environment with you at all times right right so why not why not get really clear the expert that i'm looking for is already within me i just need to be good at tapping into it and asking the right questions because mm. your question di directs your focus and your focus directs your learning. Mm. And your learning directs your, you know, how your life is going to be. Field of awareness. Yeah, I mean, this, this is this is the same. I, I almost, I don't want to use the word concept because it's not a concept. It's, it's a, it's a, it's, it is what it is. It is the, the reality of, of how this, this thing called life or reality, the, the true spiritual mechanics of it. It's, it's, it's the same as the inner physician, the inner instructor, the inner maestro, the inner shaman, the inner mystic, the inner master. Um, they're all facets or archetypal facets of the same whole, which is <laughs> all of it is within us. And, and life is interesting, and, right? And, yeah. and all of it is experiential. That's what I was going to say. Theoretical, not was, mental, not theoretical, not conceptual, experiential. Right. And then you can put words to the experience. That'll be your words to your experience. But the experience is is what you're looking for. And guess what? That's what all the masters said. They were they lived from their experience. They told us we should live from our experience. And all we did is memorize their words and then parroted them back for two thousand years. Uh, <laughs> it's time for a break. <laughs> it's time for a change. And 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 so embodying 
that experience and getting in touch with that experience and the, and relying on the experience of life to be your expert. Mm. Yeah. There's no be no better life than living that way. Yeah, the dojo of life, the school of life. There is always yeah. lessons. This is something that's been really coming up for me. You know, it kind of life is like a spiral. It's not linear, it's not chronological, it's a spiral and things repeat in different iterations until you really learn and integrate the lesson. And so there's certain lessons that have been repeating in my life and I really I really sat with it and realized like, okay, I'm in a classroom. My life is actually a classroom. I haven't always been the most attentive, most consummate student. I'm a great student when I apply myself, but it's like when I was in school, I didn't really care. I didn't really, and I knew I kind of had a sense of what that was really about, but like, I just went back to that basic, that basic kind of um, student teacher type of relationship. And I realized like, okay, well, if I'm not getting the lesson or I haven't completed the grade, that doesn't mean something's wrong with life. It means that maybe I haven't applied myself fully. Maybe I'm not paying attention to the instructor in the classroom who who's trying to teach me a lesson. And that instructor, life, God, spirit, me, my soul, whatever, loves me. Life loves me so much in its infinite patience that it will continue to teach me the same lesson for eternity, essentially. And it's it's completely up to me to decide how I want to, you know, at what point I'm going to choose to be the student yeah. required in order to get the lesson, integrate it, and, and choose to move on to the next grade. Yeah. You know, you can have a million dollars in your left pocket and only lint in your right pocket. And you can, and if you only look for money in your right pocket, you'll always feel like a poor boy. That's, that's so, wow. wow. <laughs> right? Wow. It's just where your focus goes, mm. right? You can be in the classroom and you can count the grains on the wood on the top of your desk, you know, and you can trip on them. And there's nothing wrong with tripping about it, right? That's where your focus goes. But there's mm. more going on in the classroom. What is the question is important in the classroom. And if it isn't about living the most high quality life, yeah. then you're missing something because of all the purposes that a human being can have. Number one purpose is to be fully present in all of your being and your surroundings, fully present. That's the first purpose because you were given this gift, life in a human form. You were given this gift. If you don't fully enjoy it, it's a wasted gift because nobody else can enjoy it for you. Mm -hmm. So this is purpose one. And then purpose two is when you fulfill purpose one, all you want to do is help. Right. Oh, all of a sudden, life became really simple. Mm -hmm. Right? So it, it, it's, it's like, okay, so purpose one is for yourself. You know, and when people say, that, that that's selfish, to, to be with yourself is selfish. Well, okay, then you enjoy it for me. But you better give me some of that joy. Yeah, you better give me but, a payback on that. Yeah, you better give me. Or they say that because they want you to fulfill their stupid purpose. Stupid purpose, because they're not fulfilling their purpose. So they want to enroll you in doing their stuff.
Their, their stuff comes out of not being fulfilled. So they're basically wasting your life and your time. How many because of they're them? not because they're not paying attention to their primary purpose and then they try to talk you out of yours. So number one purpose is fully present in all of your being as much as possible. Mm. Practice, 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 practice. Make that the most important daily practice mm. from now until the time your body checks out. And the second purpose, because once I've, I'm fully present, I feel so cared for. It, it's not about me anymore. I'm in touch with all my talents. I have way more talents than I'm aware of when I'm not paying attention. Mm. So I can help much more. And I only want to help because I don't need more. You know, mm. a little food, a place to sleep. You know, so then my needs become very small. Some of the physical needs become very small. But life, me as life, I don't have any needs. Life doesn't need to drink, doesn't need to eat, doesn't need to sleep, doesn't need to breathe, is formless, is unconditional, is 100% love. What, 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 is it, what does it need? Nothing. So it gives, 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 gives. And when I'm in touch with that, then I basically become like that with my, limit, with my physical limitations. So I still can't fly, fly to the moon without wings. You know, but all the things, you know, somebody's hurting, you know, somebody's crying, somebody's needs, needs a help to get across the traffic, you know, somebody's got, is old and their bags are too heavy, you know, there's small ways that I can help. My kids, you know, need, need their diapers changed or need, uh, need their lunch, lunch for school or whatever it is. So we can help each other in small ways from outside. But most of the help we get is from inside, from life itself. So simple. So we're we're reaching the end point, but what you just said made me think of a biblical scripture that goes along the lines that for those who have much, more will be given. Those who have little, all will be taken. And that's a deep metaphysical truth. And what that basically to me was like a biblical reflection of what I got from you is that heaven or hell is within. It's a state of mind, yep. it's a state of consciousness, it's a state of nervous system regulation, it's a state of your own inner experience and the external world and the phenomenon is a reflection and oftentimes a result of an internal state that has been most consistently practiced and embodied. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, rich is in its essence, a feeling within you. So I can say to you, I am the richest person I know. And it has, doesn't have anything to do with money. Really? It could have to do with money, but doesn't, it doesn't have to have anything to do with money because I could be, completely piss poor mm. as they say piss poor right and i could feel so rich because life is the riches for the human being mm. and peace is the riches for the human being and within peace and unconditional love anything is possible mm. but i am the richest person i know I don't have your experience, so you might say I'm the richest person I know, and I hope we get to a point where 8 billion people say I am the richest person I know because they feel so rich inside because they are alive. That would be heaven on earth. That is the gift. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
heaven on earth. We live in heaven on earth. Most people are missing it. <laughs> they see the lint in their right pocket, <laughs> right? Dr. Erasmus, I guess my last question to symbolize everything that you've shared and just like the profound spiritual and life-based wisdom that you've, 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 you've accumulated and that you're distilling and sharing with all of us. Like it's, it's so simple. It's so profound and it's so applicable. It's all so practical. I, I, I suppose my, my question for myself and for all of us on the journey is what are best practices for for instilling this wisdom into each of our lives on a day-to-day -day basis yeah this is a this is the question i always get get asked you know i would i talk about being and stillness and stillness right so stillness so then the question is how do i do that <laughs> stillness is not about doing right stillness is about being so everybody wants a formula give me the formula Right. But the formula is always, well, do this and do this and then do this and then do this and then do this and then do this. And then, no, this is not about a formula. You already have it. Number one, get that what you're looking for, you already have. Number two, are you interested in deepening your experience of what you already have? If the answer to that is yes, you'll figure it out. Right. True. Now, yeah. and then also, if you're, if you're interested, you will find books that will be interesting to you because you want to know. And you'll meet people and have conversations that will maybe disabuse you of some of your stupid ideas that you learned from somewhere who didn't know what they were talking about. Or you'll meet people where you, the feeling is there and you get a contact high. And you'll like to hang out with people that make you feel good, right? Mm. Or you'll find somebody who says, hey, I can show you. And then go and see if they can, right? Because they, people say, sometimes people say, I can show you. And then you go there and they can't show you. Mm. But maybe you'll run into somebody who can. And there is hundreds of methods. There are hundreds of different methods that different people teach. The essence of all of those messages always Take time in a safe place. Disconnect from all the distractions. You end, by the way, we don't have, it's not harder now than it ever was because you only need one distraction to, to get lost. So now you've got 11 million to choose from. Right. And in the old days, you only had three, right? But you yeah. only need one to get distracted. So yeah. leave the distractions outside. And then bring yourself into stillness and see how deep you can go and see how long you can stay there and notice what's in that space you know sometimes people say oh i tried to meditate and it was really boring yeah, yeah. fall in love with the boredom why because you're on the right track notice how peaceful that boredom is so you're almost, you're getting really close. You're out of your, your addiction, yeah. but you're still thinking you should be addicted. Mm. So let it go. So let it go. So you're getting closer and a little deeper than that. 
is a stillness that you recognize as ecstatic, blissful. So, and do that, practice that every day. And because you become really good at taking your, your focus out, because you do it every day, right? No. You say, look there, and you can look there, and you can look there, and you can listen to that, and you can listen to that. So we're really good at doing that on the outside because we practice it every day. But we're not so good at going on the inside because we hardly ever practice. So practice it until you get as good at going in as you've become at going out, and then you have a balanced life. Well, but uh, but uh, it takes it takes some effort. You have to make the time. Right. So that's why know that it's within you be clear is this what you want because if you don't want it then then don't do it because mm. if you don't want it you're not going to do it because no one can force you to do it so if you need to be forced then you need to be in the army or you need to be outside somewhere where people can boss you around nobody can boss you around inside that's where the freedom is so and then or find the ache in your heart that is your call to come home and then sit with the egg mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. quietly, no judgment, sit with it, slip behind it into the quiet, do it with equanimity, do it calmly. See how calm you can be about your emotions, even. See your emotions go up and down your thoughts. See how your crazy, crazy mind, see how calm you can be just witnessing your crazy ideas going around and around. And pretty soon you, so you realize you can go with your crazy ideas or you can go with the calmness because they're both within you. And because both are within you, you actually have choice. We right. just, just become better at going to the quiet place. Yeah. And then if you want to find a teacher, there are lots of teachers around. And different teachers have different ways of doing it. And, and then experiment, try things out. How do I get my focus inside? What do I need to do? Well, you might stretch in the morning. Ah, you know that ecstatic stretch? That's the experience of God. We don't think of it that way, but that's the experience of God. right? Or your bladder is really full. Mm-hmm. Like you really got to go pee. You know, it happens to me all the time because I'm on my computer. And then I don't pay attention. And, ah, you know, and then when you, when you go, it's actually ecstatic. Yeah, it feels no, so no, good to no, totally. it feels yeah. so good to relieve yourself, and it's inside the space your body occupies. Yeah, you know, go with your go with your breathing inside because it takes you inside the space your body occupies. Mm-hmm. You know, feel pain in your knee if you have pain in your knee. Feel, you know, if you sit down very, you know, quietly and just notice what comes up, and different things come. You know, you get an itch on 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 a certain way in your back. Just feel it. Don't do anything. Just feel it. And then it goes away, you know, and you might hear your, your stomach, your, your guts gurgling, right, before you fart, right? So, you, so just, focus on, just focus on the sensations inside, in your toes. You know, you can start with the bum on your chair, but that's interactive because it's, but you, you want to actually get into your bum. You want to get into your body and just experience what's there. And you can see light inside, you can hear sound inside, you can feel inside. Emptiness is, is the feeling of not being focused on it. Love is the feeling of being focused inside. And you can even taste 
inside. Because your senses monitor energy. They don't monitor think, they monitor energy. Your senses monitor energy. Light is energy, shape is energy, movement is energy, sound is energy, silence is energy. So you, you're monitoring outside world with your senses. Learn to monitor the inside world with your senses. Same thing. What do you see in that quiet? What do you see in the stillness? What do you hear in the stillness? What do you feel in the stillness? Hmm. And then in behind what you feel and see and hear is just pure awareness. And it's the awareness that actually experiences all those things. And the awareness itself is like empty. It's like space. You know, you can have an explosion in space and space is not affected. Well, peace is like that. You can have a war in peace, but peace is not affected. It's just a question of what do you put into peace? Mm. Right? What do people in Russia and Ukraine put into peace? What do the, the, the um, Democrats and the Republicans put into the airspace that they share? Right? And a, lot of the, and, and a lot of people are putting a lot of stupid things into the, into the peace. Why not put some peace into the peace? Why not put some love into the peace? Why not bring some inspiration into that peace? And recognize that peace is the foundation of both of your existence and the existence of the entire universe. Right? So we live in it, you know, we live, it's within us and we live within it. It surrounds us. Just get present mm -hmm. to what is. Mm. Stillness practice is the bit, probably the best way to do it. Darkness, stillness practice. Mm -hmm. Breath. And lightness, because energy is light. Mm. It's light, it's, it lights you up. It's light. It's lighter than, than hydrogen, actually. Light is lighter than hydrogen. That's why you can take a body. It can, it can lift water all the way up to the top of your head. Mm. You know how much energy it takes to lift water up to the top of your head? Light, life energy is doing that. Yeah. And it goes, your body goes down. Mm. Right? So right. light and quiet mm. and slow it down. Mm. And something in you is completely still. And in that is everything. Everything is possible. It's your salvation. It's your foundation. It's your peace. And out of that peace, anything is possible. As the youngsters would say, that is a mic drop moment. Yep. Dr. Erasmus, it's an absolute pleasure to share this moment in time with you, to have you back on the show. Um, you know, you're definitely one of the utmost, or I should say the foremost pioneers in the holistic health um, movement, you know, over the last, you know, century, essentially. I'm not saying you're that old. I'm saying the the movement. Yeah, I have two. I'll be, I'll be 81. I'll be 81 this year. So I mean, so I mean, wow. Like, so, you know, that's, 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 
that's a that, that's a whole podcast on longevity from someone who's actually qualified. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're only 20 here, maybe you shouldn't be talking about it yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you should. Yeah, focus on you know, focus on you know, whatever bodybuilding or testosterone or whatever your deal is. But yeah, yeah. Give, give it some time before you start jumping into that that arena. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, there's so much, and and me and your daughter Rama have become great friends over the last couple of years. And yeah, she's on her way to Texas. Oh, really? I'm in yeah. I'm in Austin, Texas. Oh, I'll have to send her a message. Yeah, send her a message. Yeah, I will do that. Um, yeah, it's it's just an absolute pleasure to uh, to have the privilege to be in this this moment in time with you. Um, where can everybody find more about you and your information? Well, if they talk about oils, enzymes, probiotics, and the stuff I do in nutrition, that's Udo's Choice, U-D-O-S Choice.com, Udo's Choice.com. And the other stuff uh, is a work in progress under theudo.com, T-H-E-U-D-O.com. And it's it's still a mess. We're still building it. Uh, this most of what I'm doing that I'm talking to you, this is not from notes. Yeah, this is from I'm in an experience. I'm talking from that experience. Mm. So I'm almost like reading it, you know, peeling it off off my heart. Yeah. yeah, and I couldn't do this if it was memorized. So, yeah. so again, you know, we want it. We want to put it in words, but we need it in experience. Mm. And so I'm doing as much as I can to keep it live in experience. Mm. And uh, hope I'm, the hope is always that it helps somebody get a little bit more clarity on how to live in a world that is, is, seems almost committed to destroy itself. Mm. Doesn't want to, but they don't, but they don't know where to go yet. Right. So help them, help them, help them find where to go. That's, yeah. that's basically what I'm trying to do with this. Yeah. Well, you've certainly, you certainly helped me in more ways than I'm probably aware of in this moment. Um, yeah, all I can say is thank you. And uh, it's just an absolute joy and pleasure to be with you in this moment in time. All right. Thanks, Ron.